0: You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Good morning, it's lovely to be with you this morning, and I'm going to be continuing in our series of last words in John's Gospel. Now, I wonder if you've ever been in a bizarre situation where something has happened to you and you think nobody is going to believe me that this happened. Well, this happened to me circa 2005. I was on holiday um, in Paris with my husband and my cute little toddler. um, And we were at the Eiffel Tower and my husband decided to go to the bathroom. So there was I standing beside the Eiffel Tower with my cute little blondie on my hip and suddenly there came upon me about 20 Japanese businessmen who thought that my little cute blondie was very cute and they wanted to take some photos of me and my daughter with the Eiffel Tower in the background with one of them beside beside me. So I don't know why it didn't occur to me to say no, I just said sure. (laughs) And one by one they came and stood next to me and they had their photo taken with me with a baby on my hip and the Eiffel Tower in the background. They all left me and then my husband came out of the bathroom and I said to him, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I had no evidence um, and my wee blondie on my hip wasn't old enough to articulate what had just happened. I like to think that there is evidence somewhere in a photo album in Japan, um, somewhere. (laughs) But he had a choice, my husband had a choice then. He could either believe my story, which was slightly ridiculous, or he could doubt that it actually happened. And today we're going to read a story, um, it's not a story, it's a true telling of the Bible where Thomas um, hears the disciples telling, start that again. The disciples tell him that they have seen the risen Jesus and he is a bit skeptical that this has actually happened. So let's read together from John 20. We're gonna read from verse 19. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now we get to the juicy part. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So Thomas wasn't with the disciples when when Jesus first appeared to them. Understandably, he found the whole situation a little difficult to get his head around. And so poor Thomas has sadly been labelled as Doubting Thomas ever since because of this one incident. However, we could give him other names. For example, in John 11, when Jesus is planning to go back to see his friend Lazarus, who's sick, the disciples say no don't go back to Judea the Jews there are trying to kill you and Thomas steps up and says I'm willing to go back and die with you so we could call him courageous Jesus uh, courageous Thomas um, the reason that Thomas wasn't with um, the disciples could have been that he was fearless Thomas because the first week when Jesus appeared to to the disciples it said that they were meeting because they were scared of the Jewish leaders. Thomas wasn't there. Was that because he wasn't scared? Could we call him Fearless Thomas? But he has been landed landed with the title Doubting Thomas because of this one incident. And I think one of the reasons that that name has maybe stuck with Thomas is because we can all identify with having doubts. Thomas is in this situation where all the other disciples have seen the risen Jesus. Verse 20 tells us that Jesus had shown them his hands and his sides. Thomas had missed it and as a result, he was sceptical. Had his dear friend Jesus, who he was ready to die for a few weeks ago, really risen from the dead and appeared to his friends? He tells his friends that he will not believe unless he touches Jesus' wounds. It's a bit of a strange request, but it's actually nothing more than what Jesus has shown the disciples the week before. In verse 19 and 20, it says, On the evening of the first week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples had already had this evidence that Thomas is asking for. I wonder why Thomas decided, why Jesus decided to visit the disciples one week when Thomas wasn't there and do the exact same thing the next week when Thomas was there. I can't help but think that it's so that we can read this story and see how Jesus responds to Thomas. Jesus enters the, the room again through locked doors. Just like the previous week, he says, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and he speaks to him. He shows him his wounds and he says that Thomas is is free to come and touch the wounds. Thomas must have been totally amazed at this point. Not only was his risen savior standing there in front of him, but he had heard what Thomas had said. He had heard Thomas' request of seeing his wounds. Jesus is always listening to us just as he was listening to Thomas. We can read how Jesus responds to Thomas in two ways here. We can use a rebuking voice for Jesus or we can use a gentle voice. I believe that it was a gentle one rather than a rebuke. He said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I think what Jesus was saying to Thomas in that moment and to us today is that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to question, but just don't stay in that place. Bring your doubts and your questions to Jesus and allow him to show you the truth. Then move forward in your belief. Jesus hears and understands our doubts and he meets us there just as he met Thomas. He doesn't condemn us. And I've been thinking a little bit about different levels of doubt that we can have in our faith. For example, I don't doubt that Jesus loves me. I don't doubt that he died for me. I don't doubt that he's in heaven today and that he is all powerful. I do, however, have some other doubts. For example, we're running an alpha course at the moment. And one of the girls on our course, Katrina, had said to me, um, a few weeks in advance that she wasn't going to be able to make the Alpha Weekend. And for me, I was quite sad about that because over the Alpha Weekend, we watch several videos and we have lots of time together and lots of discussion. And I felt for Katrina, she'd be missing out on a key jigsaw piece of the whole Alpha course if she missed it. But her work had said she had to go to Norway. So I just, I just pray, said to her, I'm going to pray that um, your work trip gets cancelled. And to be honest, I did pray that, but I didn't really think that her work trip would be canceled. And then I got quite a shock when she texted saying, my work trip's been postponed to the next week, so what are the menu choices for Friday night again? And for me, that was a wee injection of faith into into my life, but also it made me think, I prayed that prayer and I did not believe that God was going to answer it. The question we should ask ourselves is what we do with our doubts, because we all have them. There's a really helpful moment in Mark's gospel we can look to. In Mark chapter nine, we read of a man who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus. He asks if Jesus can heal him and Jesus questions the man's belief. The man's response, thankfully, is, I do believe, help me in in my unbelief. I say thankfully because we can all identify with this man's sentiment. We do believe, but we still harbour our doubts. I do believe, help me in my unbelief, is a prayer that we can all pray. Jesus also gives us a picture in the gospels of how much faith we need. He says that we need faith as small as a mustard seed. If we have faith that small, he can work with that. When we bring our doubts to, to Jesus, he can meet us in our doubts. In this passage, Jesus stands in front of Thomas and invites him to touch him, to explore his doubts. And that that invitation exists for us today, not just for Thomas. We too have the opportunity to touch Jesus, not physically, but by the Holy Spirit. We can bring our doubts to Jesus. We can ask him to reveal who he is to us. And we too can say, help me in my unbelief. I have a friend and when she was little, she um, said to her mum one day, she was maybe four or five, and she said, Mum, I'm not sure if God really exists. So I've prayed a prayer. And if he answers, then I'll know that he is real. And her mum said, well, that's really sweet. What prayer have you prayed? And she said, oh, just that he'd bring granny back from the dead. Now, her granny had died several years before she was born. She had never, ever met her granny. I think her mum thought, oh no, this is one of those faith moments that my daughter is not going to grow in her faith at this moment. And whilst her granny wasn't brought back from the dead, God has revealed himself in other ways to that girl so that she's now in a position to say, I do believe that Jesus is real. I wonder if there are some doubts that you are harbouring today that you need to bring before Jesus. Allow him to meet you in your doubts. Allow him to provide the evidence you need to move forward in your faith. Moving forward for Thomas led him to declare who Jesus was. When Jesus, saw, when Jesus offered Thomas the chance to touch his wounds, the Bible doesn't tell us that Thomas took him up on that offer. He didn't need to because the evidence was right there in front of him. He had seen the proof which led him then to declare in verse 28, my Lord and my God. This is the first time we read of anyone declaring that Jesus is God. Now it doesn't tell us this in the passage, but I expect that at that moment Thomas dropped to his knees and worshipped Jesus in awe and surrender. When Jesus removes our doubts and we see him for who he is, it leads us to a place of declaring who he is, our Lord and our God. And we can declare who Jesus is with our voices. We can declare who he is with our actions, our life choices, our relationships, our struggles, our addictions, our giving, our response to those we find difficult, our enemies, Our declaration of who Jesus is has an impact on all areas of our life, if we let it. We can declare Jesus as Lord here on a Sunday, but not on a Monday at work, when we have to deal with a difficult colleague, or not with a family member who we've got a long, unresolved conflict with. The challenge is to declare Jesus as Lord in all areas of our life. It should have an impact on our whole life, when we say that Jesus is our Lord and our God. I wonder if there's an area of your life where you need to declare Jesus as Lord. Thomas's declaration that Jesus is Lord led him to be fully on board with the rest of the disciples. I mean, Quite literally on board as we read in the next chapter that he went fishing with seven of the disciples. His name is listed second in the list which indicates to us that he had a bit more of a major role in this part of the story. He was back in the gang taking a lead role after declaring that Jesus was Lord. And apart from reading an act that he was with the disciples in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came, that's the last we hear of Thomas in the Bible. But we do know from other history books that Thomas then went to India and took the gospel to India. After he declared Jesus as Lord, his life was transformed. He put Jesus in his rightful place, and Jesus was Lord of his life. We had a visit recently from some um, Danish people who came to see our church, and they were um, quite taken with the British transport slogan, see it, say it, sorted. And when I was discussing with them about this passage, Um, Christopher, one of the guys, said it is a bit like the British transport slogan see it, say it, sorted because that's what Thomas did he saw Jesus he declared who he was and then his life was then sorted and by that do I mean that his life was perfect without any trouble no, not at all because we also read in history books that Thomas was speared to death by four people his life certainly wasn't sorted in that sense, but it was sorted in the sense that he was then on a trajectory of following Jesus. His life was led by Jesus who guided him. John chapter 20 finishes with this verse, but these things are, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus wants to take us past our doubts to a place of declaring who Jesus is, to then having life in Jesus' name. Earlier on in John's Gospel, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Following Jesus is never dull. He promised us life in its fullness, living as we were created to live for the glory of God. When we take ourselves off the throne of our lives and hand it over to Jesus we will truly have life in Jesus name. What can be better than living for the one who created you, the one who knows you better than you know yourself, the one who loves you with a perfect love, the one who knows all your days past, present and future, the one who died so that you can have life in his name, the one who has a plan to use you the one who's in heaven cheering you on. I wonder if you're willing to yield some of your hopes and dreams and desires and give them to Jesus and see what he has for you. See it, say it, sorted. As I said earlier, there are different levels of doubt and there will be many times and situations that we come across where we need to come and say to Jesus, I'm struggling to believe in this situation. Will you help me? Will you get me to a place of belief so that I can move forward in my walk with you? And that's okay. Just keep bringing your doubts to Jesus. It's all part of us growing in our relationship with him. And a final thought that I have, a bonus point, if you like, that is out with the see it, say it sorted theme. But it was something that occurred to me and I just felt that it might help someone, so I'm going to share it. When Jesus appeared to Thomas... He appeared and he showed him his scars he wasn't afraid to show Thomas his scars he didn't cover them up and in fact it was his scars that he used to move Thomas from a place of unbelief to a place of belief and our scars in our life are often things that we tend to cover up they're hidden not to be seen by anyone however our scars can also be used to draw people to Jesus to give them hope and to encourage them to keep going. Not that we live in those scars, or that the scars define us, but that we can use them to point people to Jesus. I recently read a book by Beth Moore, who's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and she has written a memoir of her life. In her life, she has gone through several pretty horrific situations. And she didn't go into huge detail in her book about them all, but she told enough that would give um, courage and hope to people who are going through similar situations. Because despite going through all these horrific things, she um, cheerfully and passionately pursues her savior every day. And I'm certain that many people who read her book will um, be encouraged that if she has overcome the situation she has overcome, then they too can in Jesus name. I wonder if there's someone today who would be drawn closer to Jesus by you bearing your scars. We all have things that we've gone through in life, things that have caused us scars, myself included. But what I can say that I followed Jesus for 35 years. I'm pretty old now. 35 years and he has always, always, always been faithful. He's always been my rock. He's always been my fortress. He's always been my ever-present help in times of trouble. He is faithful to the end. <clears throat> and he's always listening to us, just as he listened to Thomas when he denied the reports that Jesus was dead, what was risen from the dead. He can take your scars and he can use them to draw people to him. Jesus' scars were proof that he had overcome death to rescue us, so that we can be forgiven and have life in Jesus' name. And we too can use our scars to show people that they too can overcome through the resurrected Jesus. So as we come to Jesus today, let's bring him our doubts. Let's ask him to reveal more of who he is. Let's ask him to help us in our unbelief. Let's declare him as our Lord and our God, and let's live our lives for him.